0: and welcome to MHTV. We've got a really good episode for you tonight and a full team on board so it's going to be um, going to be a doozy. We're going to be talking about dignity at work but before we get going let's go to Vanessa so that we can hear how you can join in because I think this is going to be a subject that maybe some of you guys have some opinions on as well. So Vanessa how can people join in tonight?
1: Yeah thank you just literally walked in the dark. But um, yeah, looking forward to tonight's episode. Um, Hope you'll join in if you're watching. If you're new to us, then um, you can either join in over on Twitter just by following the MHTV hashtag and looking at the conversation there. I'll be monitoring Twitter. So if you've got any questions or comments, we'd love you to feed them into the discussion. If you're more of a Facebook person, head over to Facebook onto the Unite MHNA Facebook page and you just need to um, like the page and hopefully you'll see the live stream pop up there and again do ask questions join in and we'd love to hear from you I'll hand you back over to Nikki yeah with a quick moment to wave to Dave who's in with us today (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah,
0: absolutely it's come to Will Will, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself so that we can really sort of have some context for this discussion
2: Sure. So I'm a mentor of nurse by background, Nikki. Yeah. Um, I left Zimbabwe about 30 years ago.
0: Yeah.
2: I did my nurse training in uh, Kamala, the UK, Southwest Wales. I trained as a mentor of mm-hmm. nurse between what, 1995 to 98. There was probably a bit of no pressure, but I was single. I thought, you know, it's best to do a degree at this point. Was I suspect at some point, we we're going to be forced to, to have degrees. And I'm glad I did. That mm-hmm. investment worked for me. And uh, uh, I was one of the first students at the university to have a degree in nursing. I uh, worked for the local hospital, which was St. David's hospital and Old Salam hospital for two years in older people's health. And then I moved to Bournemouth, uh, which was around early 2000. Why Bournemouth? The seaside and nightlife. That's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I worked for Dorset Healthcare for a number of years, uh, for five years in various settings. Uh, during that time, I I did a law degree. Um, I'd always wanted to study law, uh, mm. law and psychology. Mm. And I was working full-time nights, I remember, you know, just was quite tricky. And working going to college at Southampton during daytime for three years, really tricky time. Mm. Uh, but I'm glad I did it. It opened my eyes to other things, perhaps. And yeah. the main reason why I wanted to do law is I'd got myself into a bit of bother and it was the lack of legal knowledge that had got me into bother. Mm -hmm. And I also found out that in um, there's a difference, the truth and the law are not necessarily the same thing. You know, there's, you know, there's a difference. The second issue is that I found a lot of uh, knowledge about the mental health act or other things. The law perhaps is through reference or my manager said, Mm -hmm. no one really seems to go to the source to say the law says, Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to the source and I'm glad I did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So You know, it opened up my eyes to. I thought I I would want to become a barrister. That was one of the things uh, I wanted to consider. Uh, But I gave myself, you know, some time to find a suitable job. And I I emailed our chief executive then, uh, looking for a job. He said, I'll come back to you after Christmas. After Christmas, I had given that job to someone else. I realized the power of networking. I didn't have the right network. So I gave myself three months. I left. I went to work for a. Counter fraud and security management team working for a guy called Paddy Baker, who remains one of my best friends up to now. We've been mm-hmm. friends ever since.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, this guy opened up my my world, I think, to the corporate you know uh, governance and corporate writing, which I would never done before. Going to mm-hmm. committees as a nurse, I'd never done that before. How to present reports, you know, there's mm-hmm. a tr- there's a knack to it, you know, if, if you've never mm-hmm. done it before. Uh, so I worked for Paddy. I was the, my main area. One of the triggers I've been assaulted twice by a patient, mm-hmm. uh, different patients. And it was, I, I had enough uh, experience of dealing with the violence from patients, but also challenging the police to investigate, which they were not willing to. Yeah. But my legal yeah. knowledge, I knew how to challenge them. The CPS, I knew how to challenge them when they didn't take action. So mm-hmm. I was able to use my own knowledge to challenge the police. But I went to work for Paddy Baker for a counter fraud and security team in Dorset investigating cases of violence and abuse. Mm. I had to go for professional training in Postmouth, but there was a, a special health authority at the time which took us through this.
3: Mm. Worked
2: for him for seven years. You know, I'm grateful for the exposure that I had. Mm. During one of those meetings, I, I used to present or to cover the strategic health authority for the Southwest.
3: Mm. And
2: uh, through networking, I got to know, say, Ian Carruthers, He had previously been the chief chief executive of the whole of the NHS, Mm
3: -hmm. but
2: he was the chief executive of the Southwest, got to know each other. Uh, I opened up my eyes. Look, you know, the the job that you are doing, I think you can do better. My question, I always ask, if people can see this in me, the question is, what do you have in mind? And I said, oh, you should come and work for me. You know, he he was a very, you know, uh, well-coordinated guy, uh, highly thought of. Mm. and uh, I went to work for the strategic health authority as a corporate governance manager. Mm. And I got to know the politics of the NHS with the capital P, from mm. a small P. So mm. talking about consultations, I was involved in um, what was called the FT pipeline, you know, foundation trust around it. Yep. So I'd never done board-to-board assessments. That was a new thing. And my manager then, uh, Jackie Jones, uh, wonderful lady, she taught me, well, it's not rocket sons. science, you can do it. You've been a nurse. You can do it. She always gave me confidence, things I'd never done before. Mm. Your report writing is excellent. You know, you can do it. and the confidence I was I could turn reports very quickly,
3: mm-hmm.
2: no grammar. And they asked me to start writing minutes for committees. That's what this job is below me.
3: Mm.
2: Until I did one or two reports. And I realized access that I had to really powerful people, you know, yeah. professors, vice chancellors. Mm. I said, "No, I'll go to all the meetings. I'll do all the meetings, yeah. you know, from now on." Was was it gave me great exposure. Mm. Um, uh, then, of course, strategic health authorities came to an end. We migrated to NHS England, and I was working with another colleague of mine, Julie Carey. Uh, she, you know, she was a, an associate director of nursing at the time. Mm we set up uh, the governance for independent homicide investigations. Mm. And so I wrote their paper, which went through some governance. It was accepted uh, in terms of serious incidents and how independent mm-hmm. investigations should be undertaken. Uh, but we are meeting a lot of quite maybe upset families for, for a better word. I learned a lot during that time. And mm. one guy I learned from, uh, he's a journalist, a good friend of mine called Julian Handy. Julian's father had been killed by a mental health patient, mm-hmm. and he, he led quite a campaign yeah. to raise awareness about, uh, you know, mental health patients and how NHS organisations should be held to account regarding safety issues.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But the things that he taught me were probably not the sort of thing that you learn in college. Humility, humbleness. And I used to go and see. Was I used to go a lot of see a lot of families where, um, where mental health patients killed their relatives. So I'd mm-hmm. probably go and wear a suit and and to be presentable, but. That can sometimes put you at odds with the families that you're going to mm-hmm. see, yeah. you know, and it can come across as if you're pompous when you don't, that's not your intention. And it was little things that he taught me softer language. Mm-hmm. Our letters were, you know, very, very formal, you know, yeah. and he changed all those. This is where co production came in, you know, mm-hmm. we're really thinking, mm-hmm. we worked with Julian. And mm-hmm. he was very humble to work with us. Mm-hmm. We changed, Julian, he's a journalist, he helped us write these letters, which we did. Mm-hmm. And that's where Code is in, depending you know, where I'm going, just to make sure I'm a, the families that I'm going to see, they, don't, they see me as being accessible. After doing that for some time, it's not a good job. You know, you, you find yourself vulnerable mentally and yeah. I, d- I didn't want to do it for too long. After yeah. three years, um, I went to work, uh, my first probably serious job for, for a mental health trust as an associate yeah. director some challenges in leadership <laughs> um, and uh, you know what i'll just say it is it is i think racism let's call mm. it what it is yeah first racism my first senior post mm. as an associate director very challenging time you know it left me it was an interim role and i think mm. it, it left me in a, you know quite bitter about the nhs and i went, I went into mm. self-employment i'm glad that so many networks mm. so i went to be self-employed for the next 18 months doing a lot of uh, assurance work investigations. Then Julie who remained my, my friend all along, who brought me to uh and which Mental meant to trust uh, mm. is an associate um, is a head of uh, risk and legal services, yeah. which I did for six months, then mm. for a year, COVID came in, that has me to stay to deal mm. with, you know, how could we find the new ways of working? So as a program lead for that, and. Uh, mm we more or less introduced the blended working, home working, we were able to reduce a lot of travel and things like that. Did that for some time, um, applied for the uh, Associate Director of Nursing, didn't get that, given some feedback, which I was working on. Um, Then a post came uh, to go to a a neighboring trust just for six months, so I'm on secondment, dealing with violence and aggression towards staff, which I've dealt with in the past. Mm. It's called dignity at work, but I want to talk more broadly. I'm not talking on behalf Mm. of my current employer. I Mm. want to talk more broadly about Mm. I've been a victim of violence and aggression. I've got friends who have suffered from this. I'm very passionate about it because I think it affects people in different ways. We spend a lot of money on staff and we need to do much more to look after them. And it's a combination of agencies, not just employers, but the police Mm. and others.
0: Yeah. yeah absolutely so you're absolutely right we, we are supposed to be talking about things <laughs> at work but I hope you didn't mind me asking you to talk about your kind of um, career path because there's so much in it I think that particularly newly qualified nurses can learn mm-hmm. from because I think for me the first thing is that idea about you know everything that in your life feeds into how you become a nurse so your, le- your, your legal qualifications your experiences all that stuff helps you do your jobs better also A lot of nurses don't think about outside of the kind of practice sphere, but actually understanding how committees work, understanding how power flows is really important. Even if it's not for you, even if you don't want to be a manager, you need to be aware of what's going on in the world around you organizationally so that you can make sure your the things that you care about, the patients that you're supporting, the services that you're working in are well aligned. It makes yeah. so much sense to understand that sort of stuff. And maybe that's something we need to talk about on another episode, actually. Yeah, I think so. And how, I to, think... how to manage that stuff. Because a lot of people don't think about it till yeah. they run up against something.
1: I think as well, it's natural um mm. you know, link, isn't it, to, to law and mental health nursing. I think I like that you've really kind of emphasized that because mm. for me, I've been talking a lot recently about how you know mental health nursing. Is a sort of rights-based profession. And you know, a big part of our role is about rights and advocacy. And we've kind of lost sight of that a little bit. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, the direction you've taken your career really highlights that. And as Nikki says, that ability to think outside of the box as well, you know, which is you know one of those old chestnuts of a phrase, but You know, a lot of nurses, you know, stay in the same place, don't they, throughout their career and kind of don't have that diversity of thinking from kind of working outside the system. And, you know, reflect on my own career because I've not had the most conventional of career. I've had lots of different experiences as well. So I relate to what you say, but I think that it's really good to hear and hopefully people who are listening will hear that message that, you know, there are lots of different ways that you can take a mental health nursing career and actually... In terms of leadership it's really useful to have those wider mm-hmm. experiences so yeah really interesting
2: yeah. i i think uh, if i were to say perhaps our biggest asset for mental health is a uh, relationship building yeah i uh, i found so in between all these things i became a magistrate and uh, it helped my day job to to do that it opened yeah. a lot of channels because uh, to tackle violence and aggression in the NHS we needed the police on board through my networks I was able to go right to the top yeah. I you can retire you know I'm 15 December you can retire quite early so I said I'll step downwards of the commitments but uh, through contacts again the, uh, the local police and crime commissioner he knew my, my work that I'd done with the police authority mm-hmm. previously he asked me to chair performance panels for the police, which I did for a number of years. Governance, that's my bit. Governance, Mm. performance, scrutiny, accountability, Mm. equality Mm. and diversity. So Mm. I I think relationship building, you're quite right, thinking outside the box, Mm. Um, doing all sorts of things. The advice that I probably took from Ian Carada says, become a general manager. And he said, nurses make better leaders. Mm. It's on Competence is overrated. It's relationships. Mm -hmm. And I've always done it that way where Mm. The people that I work with, I like to get to know, it makes you noisy, know, maybe as mental health nurses, but I, I'm mm-hmm. really interested in people. Tell mm-hmm. me about your life, tell me about, you know, mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it makes it easier. You remember a lot of things, you you understand what makes people take Perhaps, but uh, I'm mm-hmm. glad, I think if I'd worked as an accountant,
1: mm-hmm. I would
2: have the same access to people that I've had as a mental health nurse. Mm. You find people they are most vulnerable, but you also meet their relatives who are willing to open their doors for you. So that's mm. a huge privilege.
0: Mm. I think the other thing that really stands out for me is this idea that your career hasn't been a straight line as well. There have been yeah. times when you've had knockbacks and you've got back up and done something else. And I think one of the things really important for all nurses to understand is their value and their worth. And if you are not treated well at work, if you are not getting the progression and support you should have, if you're not protected, you don't feel safe at work, you have options. <laughs> you know, I think that's really important.
2: A friend said, uh, "Go where you are celebrated, not where you are tolerated." So that's something to remember.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely, it takes us quite nicely around to dignity at work as well. See so what did there. <laughs> yeah, good, good. <laughs> so tell me, when we're talking about dignity at work, and you mentioned violence and aggression things like that, what are we what are we talking about when we're talking about dignity at so,
2: work? So, so the term dignity, dignity at work is being used by my current employer where I'm mm. on secondment, but yeah. I think it's the broader issue. Really, is we we are we are spending a lot of money, you know, uh, for towards staff costs. Most of the money in the NHS goes towards staff. We spend a lot of money mm-hmm. on recruitment, mm-hmm. retention, organizational development, everything mm-hmm. else, training. But we know, so if you look at the recent the staff survey from last year, and the staff survey has just started again. So I encourage a lot mm-hmm. of you, you know, p- please complete the current staff survey.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, I think about 70% of uh, staff have suffered from violence and aggression from the people that we are supposed to look after now. Again, yeah. can go into the psychology, what causes this and that, mm. but I'm more interested in the moral issue. Mm. You know, I've gone into the NHS, colleagues are spending their time to look after me and i become abusive and aggressive.
3: Mm.
2: Now the numbers are not good. The mm. numbers are not good. Morally, it's not acceptable.
3: Mm.
2: It has gone on for a long time. Our stats for the NHS, about 75, 76% of our, our workforce are you know, women. We take, you know, we have different ways to respond to threats and everything else.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's unacceptable. Uh, I think it's unfortunate. There is to be a national body which is to deal with violence and aggression towards staff. It's unfortunate that all scrubbed for whatever reason. I think they missed their trick. You know, they are looking after fraud. I think staff is the biggest asset that we have yeah. in the NHS. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a huge impact on staff mentally physically. People have, had, people have been damaged mentally. People have left their professions. Yes. And it's not mm-hmm. acceptable. So I think we have the legal side in terms of the health and safety executive who says we must look, we must provide a safe and secure environment. We have now some legal tools. So the government put in legislation, mm-hmm. the Source and Emergence Workers Act, which protects you know, NHS staff, we, yeah. we, we can call the place to come and help, but there are pressures on resources and everything else. So, mm. but at a moral sense as an employer, we want to make sure that when things do go wrong and they do go wrong at a much more local level, what what do we do for each other mm. as colleagues? Mm. You have been a victim of an assault on the ward. Uh, mm. Nikki, what can I do? I should mm. come and check on you. Mm.
3: You know,
2: are you OK? You know, yeah. do you feel safe to continue or do you want to go home? We can talk about this mm. tomorrow. Mm. You know, mm. there are other avenues we might want to explore. Mm. We might want to, you know, call the police You are taken off the premises. Was my direct experience has been those who tend to cause violence and abuse in the NHS also do the same with social workers and test and yeah. elsewhere. But their behaviors don't just affect that directing. There are several victims. So if you think about A&E, there'll be mm. young children, their parents there, we have older people who are coming with their families mm. for treatment. Mm. That environment is not safe. If someone is yeah. throwing bottles, they're, yep. they're punching a nurse, mm. there, there'll be delays. If you have come in for treatment, your four mm. hours will become five hours. You know, If you have gone into minor mm. injuries, so it's not a safe environment. That should yeah. not be acceptable it's not acceptable, but quite often, we find colleagues They say, oh, but, you know, I have a duty of care, I'm worried about the NMC, don't worry about all that, there's a moral legal case, that Mm. behavior, you know, affects you, it affects your colleagues, it affects patients, Mm. you know, and is disruptive to the public service. So that has always been my view. Mm. And I'm happy to be the challenged on the on the same.
0: Oh, did you get any challenge from us? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I'm like, mm. yeah. I mean, I'm astounded by mm. uh, by what people accept at work. You mm. know, and I think we really need to go to management around that. You know, why on earth would you allow that to be considered as part of someone's normal working day? This is so it's so shocking to me. If there was a, a chemical spillage or, or any other kind of poison in the work environment, you'd have regulation straight in there preventing it. You would have, you know, all this expectation that we we minimise the dangerousness. But you you can't have a therapeutic environment when people don't feel safe. Yeah. And if people see nurses and doctors being abused and everybody else, how on earth can anyone in the corridor feel safe? Or how can anybody who's coming in for, you know, therapy or support feel that that's a safe place to receive care if can't keep anybody safe Mm -hmm. i find that really difficult and i I think the other thing you said that really struck me as well was that idea about what staff staff turn themselves inside out trying to make it okay sometimes you know we get all these really quite poisonous messages about resilience you need to be resilient you need to shake it off you need to keep going nobody else is told that if you're punched in the street Everybody is shocked and everybody does something about it. But the idea that you could be punched on a ward and it be that it's a Tuesday, that I find really strange.
2: Yeah, I think addressing those two points, Nikki, where I am, the support from the top level is amazing. They know the costs of an unsafe environment. People live and, you know, if you don't feel safe, you know, we know what the staff service tell us. So it's, it's an area we certainly want the lived experience for colleagues to be a positive one. Yeah. I think it's at a much lower level when things, in my view, sometimes don't necessarily work too well. If I have had people who just think oh, it's part of the job and, you know, and we have less chief executive than we have, say, your band sevens, your mm. band sixes. And that, that's the area we really need to tackle. That, that mm. relationship with uh, your band five, when things go wrong, it's got a huge impact in terms of your emotional, physical, physical, and psychological safety. Mm-hmm. So is that mm-hmm. level in my mind where we need to say, hang on, some of them are coming through university, want to influence them, you know,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: domestic violence is not acceptable, misogyny mm-hmm. is not acceptable. But yeah. do, you know, violence towards staff is not acceptable either. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see it, challenge it, report it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If
2: it's not reported Mm. we want we want to know the nature and the scale of what we're dealing yes. with you know then i think uh, your second point of sorry i've, I've forgotten about second point again <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: i think my second point was the kind of pressure staff put on themselves to yeah. make it okay to to say oh this is an old person or a person who was who's, who's been waiting or you know but like they they don't shout at people and don't swear at people and so why would you make those kinds of excuses
2: it is we mm. we we focus on the patient's capacity as the first thing rather than who has been the victim. Mm. Staff nurses, you know, they have a broken jaw. Mm. They will still care. You know, I'm, I'm I have a duty of care towards this patient. No, not when they've punched. You know, we are not dealing with a criminal. You know, mm. is a criminal matter, mm. that duty of care is to stop someone. You don't, that duty of care cannot continue when someone is punching in the face. There comes mm. a point when you stop. What's going on? One mm. oneness looking after maybe five patients the other four need you by the way so mm. it's really just changing our mindset to say by looking after our most important resource because assuming oneness looks after about five patients mm. if that focus is just on the one patient what about the duty of care they, they all deserve our, our attention don't they so you're just thinking things through but you also self-care mm. compassion if you are not in the right space mentally, yeah, yeah. you are likely to make really. mistakes, yep. and you end up harming the wrong, a different patient, mm. as a result of not being in the right place mm. mentally and emotionally. I think yeah. so. There's, only there's a bigger,
3: mm. yeah.
2: the end is the sort of thing that you probably take home with you,
3: yeah.
2: and that's why I think acknowledgement by the colleagues that you're working with i'm sorry nick if this has happened to you mm. you feel that your colleagues support that has got nothing to do with the chief executive it's about mm. you and us working at a world level mm. sorry this has happened is there anything i can do i'll drive you home or you no know, you got a day off tomorrow i'll yeah. ring you if that's okay that's checking in that's compassion
0: yeah, yeah. and it's compassion. an interesting one isn't it because we often work in places that have amazing policies but the policies when it comes to real life There's there's a real disjuncture, I think
2: there. There are no policies for compassion. It's just kindness towards each other. Mm -hmm. And I always say, we we often look up to say, you know, I don't know, the chief executive didn't write me for certain incidents. That's important. Mm -hmm. But the majority of them is actually just us checking on each other, working at a local level. We understand that environment better than our bosses would. Mm -hmm. You know, so what are we doing, you know, to support each other? That would be my view and mm. if further support is needed you know, we always have occupational health We have the police uh, that type of thing and uh, yeah let's explore what what we can do about the, is relationships and looking after each other as much as yeah. we
0: can i agree i agree and also we we teach you know that what you permit you promote thing again isn't it so if, if you if you have those kind of like circumstances particularly on wards which are so fast paced you know, someone will be assaulted in the morning the new set of staff in the afternoon and then by the time that person comes back, three shifts have been through, everyone's forgotten about it. But that person coming up to the door to come back in again might be really scared. And hmm. might be, you know, that's going to affect the way that they um, feel on the ward and the way they feel about their colleagues. And sometimes I think we do need to remember, you know, how things are for the person who's who's been assaulted.
2: It, it would. And increasingly with the staffing pressures that we have, we are recruiting intention- internationally. Hmm. And if... I've just arrived in the UK probably my first or second shift yeah. either I've been a victim or I witness it it can affect you in both ways I witness it but nothing is done to tackle mm. that I'm thinking oh is this a fa- safe environment to be in mm. you know I'm a victim and no one checks on me that's nothing to do with the chief executive yeah. they just colleagues say well are you okay I'll feel this is not a safe environment to be in mm. so mm. there are all sorts of things it's uh, role modeling, positive behaviors, I would say, you yeah. know, it's a leadership issue yeah. there, you know, Absolutely. which we, uh, you know, it affects people in different ways, the witnesses mm. or directly, but uh, yeah, it's students who come onto our workplaces, if they mm. see us behaving in a particular way, you know, this mm. is the way we behave here. That's yeah. what creates occupational cultures. Yeah. You know, this is how we give injections here, you know, don't worry about, the, you know, this is my way uh, Mm. There's an issue about safety, you know, freedom to speak up and everything else. So there's a bigger issue about all this, uh, in my view, is uh, mm. staff safety is quite mm. paramount to everything we do, I think. Mm. We can't provide services with, uh, you know, mm. when our staff are not feeling safe.
1: Yeah. Vanessa, did you want to come in? Because I'm aware I'm not chatting away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, echo everything that's already been said. And I think the comments about resilience particularly echo for me because, mm. you know, we talk so much about compassion and humanizing healthcare um but you know we don't talk enough about kind of what inhibits compassion and you know leads you know nursing staff Mm -hmm. to be sort of psychologically distanced and you know burnt out from from you know dealing with really stressful encounters Mm -hmm. day in and day out and and often you know the focus is put on the member of staff and who you know can get blamed for you know not caring not appearing Mm -hmm. to have any compassion whereas what we need to be doing is preventative work early on at kind of recognizing the signs Mm. and supporting people. And I was also thinking that we've talked a lot about um, physical aggression, but it's also the impact of, um, you know, harassment and, um, you know, verbal aggression. I Mm. think that's, you know, a massive issue, isn't it? Mm. For people as well, particularly if it's day in, day out and, you know, that aggression can be racist. It can be, you know, sexual harassment you know, I, I don't think we talk enough about these issues as well and the impact that they have, mm. you know, on injury, um, mm. you know, all the other issues that we've talked about. I think they're often just as much, you know, cause just as much damage for people psychologically mm. as physical assault. Definitely. So, you know, just reflecting, really.
2: I think they do. We we're talking earlier on about... um. I think the word really is uh, civility in the workplace mm. and some of that incivility behavior comes from patients yeah. but we know we had a report didn't we a few weeks ago about uh, female surgeons suffering a lot of bullying and harassment and that's one report there are other things that we don't know about so mm. you know the safe pl- the, the workplace needs to be a safer place physically mm. uh, in every way psychologically Only then can we, you know, so Michael West has done a lot of work on compassionate leadership. Mm -hmm. I'm not selling his work, but I believe in what he says. It's just his kindness and civility. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we're kind towards each other, we spend a lot of time in the workplace. And if people don't feel safe, Mm -hmm. uh, it affects them. Mm -hmm. Depression, you know, know, physiological changes, bodies, and we suffer Mm -hmm. from it uh, through stress and all sorts of things. And we end up being patients in the same services where we are supposed to be trying to to create as much space for other people to use as it were so, um, Yeah. yeah.
0: I
1: think as well, you know, it all fits under kind of the need to be more trauma informed, doesn't it? Within our services as well, because, you know, we talk about trauma a lot in terms of what our patients experience, but kind of understanding and acknowledging and recognizing vicarious trauma that occurs and, mm. and you know as we've just talked about trauma because of very difficult encounters that mm. people experience and, and traumatic incidents that you know people are involved in at work and I think mm. having that understanding it all very much links together for me mm. trauma compassion resilience moral injury it's all linked isn't it really I think there are some really good initiatives going on though I think they're certainly like where I work in health and justice the PNA initiative is going really well and we've got a lot of um professional nurse advocates across different services now and mm. really kind of see the difference that they're making in services, which is brilliant. And and it's great because I work with physical health um staff as well and nurses to kind of see them embracing um, mm. you know, the professional nurse advocate role. Because I you know, I can see that it sits naturally with mental health nurses, but I think it's great to see the whole nursing workforce embrace that. And of course, you know, supervision, um, particularly the sort of psychological, uh, you know, safety focused supervision as well. And
3: um,
1: I think, you know, there are things that are making a difference, but, you know, clearly, as we've said, some of these things are and much kind of more deep-rooted aren't they and systemic and structural mm-hmm. as well sometimes as well mm-hmm. depending on the environments that people are working in.
0: I think as well something like racism there's it's a yeah. it, it's such a painful thing and the thing I find I can't imagine how it must be to experience it is that idea that somehow it's a sticky crime like the shame attaches to you and I think sometimes people don't report when they've been sexually harassed or racially abused or if it's been an issue of a kind of homophobic attack or something like that
3: yeah somehow
0: that wounding is so personal Mm. it's really hard to put your hand up and say this has happened and sometimes it kind of feeds into our own egos or I can take it so or well, maybe you can, but you shouldn't be taking it because that's that's yeah. illegal. It's a crime, it's a hate mm-hmm. crime. And also, yeah. you know, maybe you can, but what about the next person it happens to? Yeah. It's like, you know, and, and the last thing I'd want to do is put more responsibility on a person who's been, mm. you know, sorted and victimized, but you know, yeah. you can't say yes for other people, can you, with something like that?
1: Yeah. I think what as well, think? that's why um that's why allies are so important, isn't it, in terms of, you know, um race and and LGBT issues because sometimes if you're the victim and you're the person who's been harassed and racially abused or abused because of your sexual orientation then I think it can be quite difficult to speak out but if you're in a culture where you feel psychologically safe because your colleagues are supporting you and they understand what you're experiencing and they're willing to to sort of stand up and and you know say that that's not acceptable Mm -hmm. then I think it creates a culture where people can speak up more Um, But I think I don't know why, but I think some people do shy away from from being allies sometimes. And I'm not sure why that is um, other than that. I think people find it difficult to stick their head above the parapet sometimes, don't they? And, you know, people sometimes feel more comfortable, sadly, with avoiding issues or not noticing them. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's when you've got that lived experience that you understand the impact of that of those forms of abuse. Every you know. nurse
0: signs up to a conduct, don't they? Professional mm. conduct, and you, yeah, you can't look away from racism and be a nurse. You just can't, even though it happens every day, and it's really, really frustrating.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that safety in terms of can I raise an alarm on behalf of another person, mm. and could I become a target? It's quite often mm. someone might be suffering racism, someone else might be suffering sexism. I talk to. Uh, I got family members you mm. uh, know who, uh, work in the NHS so you have the sexism and the racism a double whammy. Mm. and is if if that environment is not safe, is not safe for you it's likely that other people may be going through something similar they may not feel it's mm. safe they might yeah. approach you privately yeah. but they which is is brave still but you really want someone to challenge that behavior if say, say someone in, in a position of power has been racist mm-hmm. and you had a colleague next to you for them to say it publicly no that's not acceptable that's yeah. you know that you know that's not the type of behavior we expect in the nhs mm-hmm. but if they don't feel safe themselves but you feel quite yeah. traumatized that my colleague didn't say anything and mm-hmm. you know it's, it's really difficult you it's say it's a difficult yeah. one to deal with
0: The weird thing I think about racists is they're much more offended about being called racist than they are about breaking the law. It is. are much more irritated when you go, that could have done differently. Being
2: being racist is illegal. But again, if you think about that engagement piece, it costs the NHS in terms of, uh, you know, health inequalities. It costs the NHS in terms of uh, opportunities for promotion. But a diverse team, you know, if you look into advertising, diverse teams tend to have better performance you know and things like that so you know there's uh, there's a a good argument for diversity diversity of races, thoughts thinking we make better decisions when we are diverse yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah,
0: Yeah. one of the things i thought was really great what what you said was you just said there was a racist aspect to this and just moved
2: on just said it it took me time well it took me time to recognize it yeah Mm. i've probably not publicly said it took mm. me time to recognize it but the impact yeah. on me mm. was i decided not to work for the nhs yeah that mm. was the impact so we we're talking about what that does huge uh, what does that do yeah mm-hmm. so i decided to leave the nhs and to be self-employed although most of my work was still with the nhs mm. i thought i'll be self-employed and i'll yeah. be dealing with that type of behavior again mm-hmm. Yeah, it it led me, in a, you know, to put me in a very bad space. It took me time to, to process all of that. Mm. And it's not mm-hmm. just the impact on me, then the impact on the family, you know. That's, yeah. you know, it's almost like you throw a pebble into the middle of, you know, a pond. There are all these waves around, you know, families get affected by this, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, there's a network. I know Nick, you asked me about this at some point, but there's a network which, more in the last two years, which really gave me sanctuary to talk about all these issues, Jabali, which I think we'll cover at some mm-hmm. point, and yeah. a network of, uh, you know, black men in the NHS, and we speak mm-hmm. about our lived experiences, and we talk about mental health, and, uh, you know, physical mm-hmm. health, I'm turning 50 this year, prostate cancer is a big thing mm-hmm. among, uh, you mm-hmm. know, black men, you know, so, but I know we're probably going to cover that at the next time, but yeah. I've, I think having a safe place where we can talk about the lived experience with other people. It's yeah. just what I went through and they said, oh, the same thing happened to me or, mm. and we can talk about it openly without, someone said, there's a friend of mine who said, if you walk around eggshells, you are not among your tribe. Mm. among I'm among my tribe, I don't walk on eggshells. I feel mm. that we understand each other. We, mm-hmm. we share the same lived experiences. So mm-hmm. if you walk on eggshells, you're in the wrong place.
0: Mm, it's almost like breaking a spell in it as soon as you say the r word yeah. that's it and, and until you say it it's one of those things it's always it's always really is it, is it that or is it something else is it that mm-hmm. or is it something else and just say it you're like that oh god what a relief
2: there, there's racism in the NHS the rest data tells yeah. us that live with it, <laughs> yeah. do with it. What, shall, what, what can we do to make those changes that's a key issue I think yeah
0: yeah yeah I'm, I'm a bit worried because Dave said he's got a comment, but it's left field. So I think we should yeah. brace ourselves. and okay. 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 yeah.
4: Go for it, Dave. Go for it. <laughs> you know, people say oh, that they, they like left field stuff, but then I say stuff Again. and I can, I can see Nikki's face like more and more. <laughs> yeah, poker face. What are you
0: talking about?
4: <laughs> you sure, Nikki? Uh, just as you've been talking, Will, I've been making lots of notes. And I suppose, you know, just to kind of go through them, And I think, you know, what probably would be helpful is if Nikki or Vanessa then reflects on the most important bit and Mm -hmm. makes it make more sense. Uh, I suppose, you know, you've been speaking about freedom to speak up guardians and that kind of, you know, ability to to raise concerns. Uh, And I just wanted to reflect that our National Health Committee in the union today has been meeting in Belfast, which is why I'm here today. Uh, We've actually had a session on uh, freedom to speak up guardians and reminding people about those roles. And, and I suppose it's that kind of bit about, you know, I would really hope that people see trade unions as a place to raise these concerns. And as trade unions have become more representative of the workforce, that hopefully that makes it an even better avenue to, to do that. And I suppose it would be to encourage people listening uh that they should, uh, I don't know if my computer's having a problem now. Is it still working? No, it's fine. I can still
0: bad. hear
4: you. Yeah, yeah. yeah fine. It just started to lag a little bit. Uh, that You know, it, it's really important that people have that, that place to do that. Uh, I think one of the other things is that thing about, you know, people having time to decompress from significant incidents. Mm.
3: Uh,
4: and I think that is such an important thing. Uh, And I was going to say professional nurse advocates linked to that, but Vanessa got in there first (laughs) uh, because, you know, I I think that work has been so important to recognise that.
3: Mm.
4: I think the other thing that's really interesting for me is that seeing this all through the political lens, Mm. uh, you know, and especially with hopefully general election coming up next year. But I do think there's that bit about, you know, how much our political leaders at the moment are sort of like, Thinking about dignity you know and are willing to be kind mm. and respectful and to not other people uh, and I think that's one of the huge problems that we've got at the moment that you know they're, they're talking from positions of real you know unpleasantness. Mm. Uh, I, I think the other thing that I, th- I thought was interesting when you mentioned about the report that came out about incivility and surgeons uh, and I think the fascinating thing for me to that was that I d- you probably saw the letter that was in the Times the, uh, yeah. a yes, back, I did. And, you know, you just got to become more resilient and female surgeons should expect that kind of banter and unpleasantness. Oh,
0: God, yeah, I saw cause,
4: that. Because that's the environment. <laughs> <did>. yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> and, and and I think, you know, again, it's fascinating because uh, Unite won a case a few months ago at an employment tribunal where mm. uh, a, a male staff member was said, you know, oh, he's got to man up. Uh, and that kind of response, and and you know the the kind of the sexism that that is in the NHS, and 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 how we don't call it out, and how it's important to call it out. And and I suppose you know Vanessa asked that question about why do people shy away from being allies, mm-hmm. and and I think one of the things is is we've we've got to kind of check our own privilege, haven't we? That
3: yeah, As, as mm-hmm. a
4: kind of a white middle aged male, you know, hopefully I kind of remember the fact that I have it easy. And and one of the things that I often say is that you know the only people that have had death threats as part of doing MHTV sorry to scare you will hopefully you won't get them <laughs> <laughs> that's okay is <laughs> <It's> will <laughs> the only people to get the death threats so far have been the women presenters not the, mm. the presenter and and again so. Mm. It- Kind of remember which is weird that.
1: because i really thought dave deserved it <laughs> <laughs> and 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 not to mention when we were talking about issues of equality and diversity yeah, as that well it which yeah. i think is also important to remember isn't it sure
4: yeah mm. so so just kind of a bit of a, a word salad there of, of of lots of sort of thoughts about what you've you've said but it, it's been really sort of interesting to to weave that through you know, quite a lot of stuff that's going on. And I suppose the final thing, and I don't know if you've got a view on this, Will, because you might not have really been following it, was the problems that the NMC were criticised over last Mm. week. Uh, And, you know, I I attended council meeting the day after it was reported in the and And I suppose, for me, one of the fascinating things that I really do think the chief exec at the NMC really cares about these issues, but is maybe getting caught up in the fact that there's a lot of historical problems with that organization and you can never address things quick enough for how quickly change needs to happen and and you know how difficult that is that people that are good sometimes get caught up in organizations that have been bad in the past.
2: So I'd not caught up with uh, I don't know what's going on with the NMC lately. i would that yeah. question
0: if I were you will.
2: Yeah I, I've, got, I've, <laughs> I've got no idea I think if I was well informed, if I did, you know, if I had prior knowledge, yeah, I would. I would I'm happy to make it's a business comment as usual. You... Well, docket. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> there we are. I, I think you got your answer there, Dave. <laughs> I
0: think. What do you think about this sort kind of idea that maybe there's a, a a rise in a lack of civility from a lot of kind of senior aspects of life? You know, the way that politicians talk to each other, the way the kind of culture wars are stoked, the social media device and this. Do you think that that that's something that impacts? Of the NHS violence levels? Because I mean, I remember it always being violent. <laughs> like maybe I'm I, wrong. I, I think, I think,
2: I'll give you in America an example, and yeah. I want you to use your head to apply to the UK scenario, because that it, it makes us safer. Let's put it that way, okay? So in America, the change of politics, the change of the guard in America made certain things acceptable, including the matching up to capital here and things like that. Yeah, that was a change of politics in America. We had something similar. And I think the the dynamics post-Brexit and everything else uh, might have affected the way we, we behave towards each other. Some of those things have been there for a long time, no doubt. But I think it's, it's a political context. We can't live without that yeah. political context. You know, we've got to be aware of the environment we operate in. So it's, it's a tough one. Um,
1: yeah.
2: I just know as an immigrant, it became tougher to be uh to be able to respond to certain things or certain accusations being made, let's put it that way, but it's um yeah.
1: It's it, also yeah, I think it's also freedom of speech, isn't it, And the rise of social media? Because if you think about it in the past it was just the BBC and you know, sort of censoring kind of different voices, you know, generally voices from the BBC, white, male, middle class whereas now you've got social media where everyone's got a platform and everyone's a journalist or thinks they are. So, you know, there's that ability for people to have their say, you know, people like Andrew Tate and their kind of messages to Mm. to become global and to have like massive reach around the world. And obviously, you know, young people who are kind of making sense of You know, certainly, you know, having a 16 year old son myself, you know, kind of making sense of their own morality and their thoughts and where they sit in the world and then being bombarded by kind of really right wing. Um, you know messages through social media that certainly when I was growing up you know there wasn't access to those conversations so I think social media is great in some ways isn't it It creates that diversity and and kind of democratizes sort of knowledge and conversation but the flip side of that is it's kind of given a platform to people who use it in a more sort of toxic you know dangerous way isn't it and makes those kind of um you know, beliefs and views much more mainstream because they're kind of, um you know, perpetuated across social media, really, you know, you go around the world very quickly. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so, I was just looking at the time because we've covered some conversational ground as usual. I think even more so yeah. than
1: this, the normal this time. Yeah, but we I do guess seem to have. Be, yeah. It'd be good, good
0: to think about. So we, we've, we've talked a little bit about, you know, what is dignity? What's the situation like? How can we raise awareness and actually just naming some of the issues? So how can we best sort of look after ourselves and each other? I think it'd be good if we could sort of yeah. round up on a, an end note of, of some positivity as well.
2: Civility. I think no one goes to work to do a bad job.
0: Yeah. No one yeah. goes
2: to work to be abused either by colleagues or by the people whom we are supposed to look after. We all want to have a positive experience as a patient. Mm -hmm. I want to have a positive experience in the NHS. Mm -hmm. I'm an employee in the NHS. I want to also work in a safe and secure environment. It benefits everyone else. If Mm -hmm. if we fail to do that, it costs the NHS a lot of money. These are public services. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot. Civility, incivility costs us. Civility means we benefit. Mm Yeah. Yeah. So doing a bad thing costs us money cost us uh yeah. quality services you know mm. but being kind yeah. and compassionate towards each other we all benefit
1: yeah we all feel better yeah, yeah from it
0: yeah was there anything vanessa that you wanted to say particularly just to be finishing up
1: no i think i was just thinking about i know west yorkshire as part of their suicide prevention strategy they have what i love which is um check in with your mate campaign and it's about um, you know and chest staff checking in with a colleague so if you notice somebody is fed up or they're not seeming to be the usual selves just kind of checking in with somebody really mm-hmm. sending them a text you know asking them if they're okay you know um, you know suggesting a coffee whatever it takes but I think sometimes we kind of forget to do those things and I think that's really important as well just looking out for each other and remembering you know that we've all got mental health as well and you know we're all human beings at the end of the day I think that's really important
0: Yeah, I don't know whether I'm, I'm going to regret this but Davis or anything you want to add
4: <laughs> I, I think the way you said that Nikki my, my best response is no <laughs> well
0: I hope you found that a compassionate feedback <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, just, just finishing up, we'll, we'll be tweeting out kind of links and things like that, which would be useful. Um, if people have questions, I appreciate we haven't had a chance to come to people, but if people do have questions or they would like us to revisit this um, aspect, let us know because we can have the kind of discussions that are helpful and interesting to people, so obviously feedback yeah. is on that. Um, and the other thing, I guess, particularly looking at, at Will, is this idea that you're not helpless, you can make choices right yeah. from what you, what you put up with to leaving and moving and changing and, and, and actually making changes. If you finding that the situation you're in is not tolerable for you or for anybody, call. Cool. Not, <laughs> not in a weird way. <laughs> I mean, like, in, in, like just, just, he's done it. Yeah. yeah. He's, done it and he's changed it. And I think that's, I think we're often taught as nurses that, you know, this is the way things have been. This is where they yeah. always have been and this is the way they always will be. And that's none of that is true. We create our working conditions by what mm-hmm. we tolerate. how we act to each other all the time Mm -hmm. so that's what i would say is that you can make changes but i think it's been a really interesting discussion really good religious. thanks for reminding us all of that stupid doctor letter because that's made me really cross again <laughs> i know
1: yeah exactly <laughs> no, we shall be able to sleep tonight from feeling where to find that, that letter <laughs> yeah yeah exactly we yeah, need, to need to, to share the link it. for anyone who hasn't seen I that yet it, if you can imagine
0: the letter the letter that makes us go like that it's that yeah, it's exactly yeah, exactly what you think it says it was <laughs> okay.
1: unbelievable
0: right but thank you very much and i've really loved talking about dignity at work so i think we've had a really interesting conversation tonight and i hope it's been helpful and interesting to you and if you are experiencing something which you know isn't right let somebody know let somebody know and do something and if you if you're seeing it happen at work speak up because how you have to live with yourself really matters and it's better just to bite the bullet and say something than put up with feeling dreadful absolutely but yeah, lovely to see you all tonight and have a good evening. Take care. Yeah. Good night. Take care. Good night.
2: Bye-bye. Bye.